Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone. My guest today is a literal beacon of joy within the trail running world. They're an incredible elite athlete for Saucony based in Colorado, where it is snowing, I can see through the window where they're sitting at the moment. They started training competitively in 2017 and have raced in distances up to 100 kilometers on the road and have just returned from representing Team USA at the 80 kilometer World Mountain Running Championships. I'm really keen to let them represent themselves, and so now over to them to introduce themselves in their own words. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Mary. I am a professional trail runner. I am a husband. I'm soon a father-to-be, which is pretty exciting, and uh, I'm also the father of four pets. So I have a dog, two cats, and a, a skinny pig, which is like a hairless guinea pig. And I live here in Boulder, Colorado, where it is snowing. And um, yeah, just uh, loving life, running on trails. Awesome. Hi, Adam. I'm so excited to connect with you. Um, also, I'm such a fan of kind of like following Instagram accounts of skinny pigs. I'm wondering how the skinny pig is faring with the kind of weather that you've got there today. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty rare to meet someone who knows what a skinny pig is. So respect. Um, she's doing good. You know, we, we keep the heat on uh, to make sure she stays warm. Um, but yeah, no, you know, she has her little like, um, her little like ripped up paper and she has a little fake stump that she can go in to keep warm. But uh, yeah, she's so cute. They're the best. Oh, so cute. And massive congratulations as well on the imminent arrival of another another child. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. We've got a full house, a uh, pretty full house over here. But yeah, our, uh, our son will be due in March. So um, yeah, it's getting pretty close and uh, definitely getting more and more excited by the day. My birthday's in March. So if, if he's born on March the 3rd, then I mean, it's a sign. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. His due date is actually the 2nd, March 2nd, so it could be March 3rd. Oh my goodness, we could be born on the same day. That's so, so joyful. Are you a Pisces? I'm a Pisces, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. My wife is like figuring out all those astrological signs and stuff, so uh, pretty interesting. (laughs) We have all the feelings. (laughs) All of of them. (laughs) Yes. 
So going from um, going from wonderful family chat, um, I just want to start with with one very serious question, um, and uh, that's about the pink shoes that blew up the internet recently. Can we just chat about oh, yeah. those and how those went at the Mountain Running Championships? Oh man! Well, those you know, it's actually really funny. I asked, uh, like, I did a poll before I left, and I was like, "Oh, should I go with the pink shoes or the black shoes?" And uh, <laughs> I was going to wear the black ones, so uh, I'm glad I asked because, like, it was an overwhelming majority. I think it was, like, 400 to, to 20 that wanted <laughs> me to wear the pink shoes. So um, pink shoes, it was. Uh, they're actually really awesome. Like, the pink color where it just puts them over the top, but um, they're light. They're fast. The grip is good. They're stable. And, um, yeah, I really enjoy um, racing in another Saucony Endorphin Edge. Um, has, like, a partial carbon plate in the shoe and mm-hmm. um yeah I, it it worked great actually uh, at that distance even with all the crazy vert and the jungly terrain so yeah it was a good choice yeah they certainly were lighting up the jungle i think and yeah we got the plug in for Saucony right there at the beginning so <laughs> yeah. can yeah. tag them yeah, in the post that. and say job done <laughs> <laughs> now I was chatting to a friend just before um just before coming on with you and they're just like oh yeah it's so cool can you ask him about the shoes and I was like that is first question on the list like don't worry yes. it's gonna happen yeah well they they feel even better than they look so I'd recommend anyone uh go to your local running store and give them a try they're they're really awesome <laughs> and you can run like Adam if you do <laughs> yeah Totally, totally. So you write on your website, um, I believe that running performance is based on a harmonious balance of physical and mental stress with rest, relaxation and other activities that bring you joy, which I love. I'm really hearing this at the moment, particularly with my current situation of sitting on the sofa. Um, Your name is Mary and it seems from the outset that you kind of have this alignment between living and running this kind of core value of joy, which is great because because this is the Running on Joy podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so where did this come from? And has it always been the case? Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm not sure how um, familiar your audience might be with my background, but I had a pretty like, um, well, I guess, like maybe non traditional path to trail running, like I did a lot of other sports as a child, didn't get into distance running until after college like I think I'd only run like the mile you know like uh Mm. for football or or when I was forced to in track um before I was an adult so like definitely um I felt like in my childhood I always gravitated toward things that I genuinely really enjoyed and my parents didn't like force me to stick with any one sport um or any one thing and I feel like um maybe that instilled in me this uh, belief that um, if you're centering joy and like truly enjoying the the things that you're doing um, performance is something that kind of naturally follows. And um, I certainly like experienced that um, in the activities I chose to do. And um, I mean, I don't know, I think we all like feel it for sure. Like when we, uh, when, when you're like genuinely excited about running, it's a lot more fun to like go on a run. And even if the conditions are, a little bit snowy outside or it's icy and cold like um if you've allowed yourself enough mental space to like rest and recover getting outside really seems like a fun adventure as opposed to like drudgery or a slog so yeah I just try to try to find some degree of balance even um amidst like a pretty rigorous training schedule 
Um, and I feel like that's worked pretty well for me. And I'm, am I correct in thinking that sort of when growing up, your background was actually in, in team sports. So what was kind mm-hmm. of your relationship to movement? What's the trajectory been with that? Yeah, well, so um, I guess it just felt very normal to me, but uh, looking back on it and definitely as a soon to be father, like kind of looking at things through a parental lens, like I definitely think I was a very, very active kid that needed to get my energy out and express myself through movement. Mm -hmm. And so from a super early age, I can remember one of my good friends. uh, I went to a summer camp or a little like day camp with, with them. And uh, they were like, man, you're like pretty annoying because I would (laughs) like, I was so active and um, energetic on the playground and stuff. And so, yeah, growing up, like I played all different kinds of sports and just found that, um, you know, I had varied interests, like, like maybe a lot of kids, I like to play video games. I like to read books too, but I felt like I could really like settle in and enjoy those things. Um, if I had gotten out and like ridden my bike or, um, you know, played basketball or, uh, I was pretty into like, you know, the razor scooter thing, like doing that rollerblading. So yeah, I feel like through that varied and diverse, like, um, set of activities, like I built really, um, a durable foundation, like musculoskeletally mm-hmm. for myself. Um, so that like now as a, you know, 31 year old, uh, you know, ultra marathon runner, like I don't really suffer, um, overuse injuries, which is, you know, I think a testament to that diverse kind of background. And did you have like complete freedom with that? Were your parents supportive of whatever you wanted to wanted to choose? Yeah, well, so like most parents, or at least most, I think many American parents, they always, uh, you know, prioritized and felt like it was important for me to be giving my best academically. So as long as um, sports and activities weren't uh, directly impacting that, which to be honest, sometimes they were, um, (laughs) they were really supportive. Um, and they were always like, like my dad would coach, um, some of the sports teams that I was on, um, when he could, they both worked full time, my whole childhood and and life. And so, um, yeah, super grateful for their, not only like, uh, support in terms of like getting me the equipment I needed to play baseball or basketball or these different sports, but, um, they would like come out and volunteer their time to coach the teams and, um, cut up orange slices or whatever, uh, for the, for the game. And so, yeah, it was like really meaningful. They played a really pivotal role in, um, yeah, in my athletic journey for sure. That's amazing. They were getting you into kind of aid station training, right? Right yeah. from the off. <laughs> totally true. Well, you know, they actually haven't, uh, I don't think they have, well, no, they actually did crew me, uh, at my first, like pretty serious ultra marathon out here in Colorado the never summer 100 K and it was pretty funny because, um, you know, for people that aren't like, uh, immersed in ultra running culture, it's so weird to like drive out to the middle of nowhere, have to walk like a mile into this aid station and like, you know, crew, um, crew your runner. And so, yeah, they've, um, it's funny though. Cause like over the past, you know, six or seven years of me doing this more seriously, like they're, they're up on the sport now. They know like the different runners and they know the races and they look at the course profile and stuff. So just like all the other sports I did, they, they got into it too. 
That's amazing. I had um, my mother came to like my first ever ultra run, and by she knew nothing about running or or competing or anything. By the end of her standing on the finish line, she was a pro. Like she knew everything, yeah. and then she told yeah. me she told me all of the stuff that she had learned. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, totally it's into so cool it. When parents can get involved like that. I hope, like when if my son is interested in like any kind of activities, I can um you know, get involved and be excited about them as well. <laughs> You're going to be, a, you can be a great dad. I've got, I've got good vibes about this. <laughs> so how about getting into running and, and trail running in particular? Yeah, well, I, uh, I always enjoyed like hiking as a kid. Um, I don't know, like for me, uh, ultra running and trail running wasn't, uh, like mainstream enough. I didn't even know about it until after college. And so, my exposure to any kind of related activity was like hiking. Uh, and I did some backpacking as a, as a kid. Um, I did a little bit of running with a backpack on, but you know, it's not the same type of thing. And so, um, I didn't really get into trail running until after college. Um, when a friend of mine just invited me kind of informally on a, uh, asked if I wanted to go on a trail run. And, um, yeah, I'm really thankful that I was like, sure, you know, uh, why not? And I didn't really show up with any of the right gear or know what to expect. But um, yeah, it was like such an enjoyable, amazing experience. Felt like a, an adventure in the in the time span of like an hour, you know, and I hadn't experienced that in a while. Like, you know, feeling like, whoa, just got out into the woods, like got on all these new trails and it felt very adventurous, but like you're back in an hour and you can go about the rest of your day. And I think, um, that sense of adventure and getting to explore, whether it's like in your own backyard or in a new place, you know, like trail racing brings us all to so many places we might not otherwise go or, um, yeah, allows us to like access environments that we maybe couldn't if we were just walking. Um, I think that's what really like set the hook in terms of my interest. Um, and yeah, I still, um, yeah, every time I get to go to a new race or run in a new place, it's like, um, I feel that same sense of adventure. Like I did the first day I did it. Yeah. That just kind of stepping into the unknown, even if it, even if it's just around the corner from you, things, things change yeah. so much as well. Don't they? I think you notice that with running, like even the same routes can look totally different at different times of year uh, and stuff. <laughs> it's so true. Like today, right. It's snowing. It totally changes the way the trails feel or how you have to like move your body on the trails. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's why I like trail running. I think a little bit more than road running is that it is more unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And do you think, what is it that the running and movement in that manner has given you? Do you think it is primarily that, that adventure? Um, well, yeah, definitely the adventure, of course, like, um, I believe for like any person, you know, of any, from any walk of life, like uh, it's important as best we can to try to like stay physically fit. There's like so many great health benefits, uh, lifespan benefits. And I think it just, at least for me, like I feel like I show up much better in my life um, in all aspects when I have exercised. Mm -hmm. And so running obviously is like really great exercise. Um, and then on top of that, like maybe most importantly, I think running gives you like 
the it's a it's a medium or a mode to like do a hard thing like every day you know so like in the context of a run even if it goes really well and it's perfect weather like there's always some little moments where maybe your legs feel a little heavier tired or your breathing gets a little labored and i just find that that practice of working through that little bit of adversity like voluntary adversity um it's just super beneficial and puts everything else in life into perspective, especially like if you go do like a three hour long run, you know, it makes other like discomfort feel so much less significant. So yeah, I really like, um, I like it for that too. Like it's kind of a meditative, uh, disciplined practice for me too. I love that. That's not something that I'd really thought of. You kind of think of problem solving and kind of ultra running being the kind of, you know, the, the really hard moments or something going really wrong but actually it is just a question every single day really of of those little little problems and like and the sort of the puzzle that is your body (laughs) kind of trying to work it out absolutely yeah yeah and I think when you you know obviously like if you're trying to train for some kind of ultra ultra race it's it's good if you can to try to get out most days of the week to run and so I think when you when you're doing that um it gives you so many opportunities to practice like settling into discomfort like not freaking out if um maybe you run out of water before you expect it's like you're probably going to be fine you know like if you run out of calories it's like the human body is an amazing thing like you can probably get back to the car and and be okay and so I think like yeah to your point like just those little opportunities to practice those skills that we want to deploy on race day um yeah it's just like a great um a great a great thing that we all get to do Mm. and when did you realize that this was actually something that you're really pretty good at (laughs) you know I was actually just talking with my good friend Drew Holman about this on our run this morning like it's so funny we were kind of talking about it as it relates to like business you know and like building a company but it's so funny like uh running is like one of those things where it's easy to make strides and progress a lot at the beginning because it's easy you know like there's uh your body responds quickly to training like you can make big jumps in your fitness and really see that translate uh, whether it's just in your own like training runs or adventures or if you go to a race and so uh it's funny because like I feel like maybe um I don't I think it was like the first 50k I did I didn't do that well like I think I ran like five hours and 10 minutes and maybe I think I got third in my age group but at the time it was like whoa I I got some kind of award like I wasn't expecting to get any kind of award that's kind of cool and then I think at the next 50k I did I got like third overall and so it was like oh okay like cool like you know and so there's these like little um I guess like pieces of validation or subtle reinforcements that like oh the training is at least working like I can see my times getting better like I think I, I went from like 510 to like 410 or something oh, you know? wow. so I took an hour <laughs> off my 50k time um and so that is quite addicting like the you know experience of progressing and getting better at, at a thing um but then yeah I guess like uh just like building a business or like doing anything hard in life like the further you progress the harder it is to um to make that kind of progress like it's not a linear progression and so um I think like I don't know a few years in like 
I won a few races and that was exciting and um, won a 50 miler, set the course record. That was exciting. And where I'm at now is it's like, um, yeah, you know, you just have to like keep doing the kind of monot- sometimes monotonous, not super glamorous work um, over a longer period of time. And the game kind of changes. Like the game goes from like, oh, just like do these workouts and you'll get faster to like try to stay healthy so you can just keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like over many years, uh, your aerobic system will improve and like your speed and aerobic threshold and lactate threshold, all these like different variables will change, but they're like, it takes a very long time to change those things. So it's kind of like a really long game of chess, you know, with all these <laughs> different, you know, pieces you get to move around. And so, um, I guess like that kind of is what keeps me engaged with it is like, even though the, the maybe big progress is slower now. Um, there's still a lot of fun things to tweak and play with. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like the the first, there's the first realization of, oh, there's the kind of little progress, but then the big, the big puzzle that you're trying to solve is the, okay, how do we keep this going? <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. And like, for me, for sure, like one big part of um, the equation of like remaining excited and engaged with the training and the sport is like having surrounded myself with, with uh, my people, you know, like the people who are also trying to um, do hard things, chase their goals and are also committed to, but also undaunted by like the hard work. And and we kind of just like keep each other company while we're all doing the hard work every day. And um, I think it's so much easier to accomplish things in a group setting when you have that community. So even if it's like, just a friend that you train with or like you have a group run that you go to, like I found for me personally, like just having that core group of, of friends to, to hook up with uh, and train together makes a big difference to like keep you motivated and kind of accountable like week over week. I saw and it was it on Instagram the other day that there was like a little crew of you in Colorado who got together. Like it was like yeah. really impressive names, all just like out on a little run together. It's really nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Cause like, um, at least for me, like I am, a maybe most folks don't know this, but I'm actually an introvert. Uh, and I'm like, I can function and, and seem extroverted and like, you know, have good social skills and stuff, but I actually just like being home and being, having time by myself a lot of the time. But you know, these people that I train with, like first and foremost, they're just my friends and mm-hmm. I genuinely like spending time with them. And so you know, going on a run is like mostly just an opportunity to connect and talk. Uh, and most of the time we aren't even talking about running. We're just talking about like life stuff or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it's super, it's super cool. It's like part of like living in Boulder that like, you're just surrounded by so many like amazing athletes of all kinds. And so it's easy to find people that are at your, you know, maybe ability level that you maybe also have, um, like a shared interest with. And so for me, like, the foundation of that kind of interaction, like being part of a group is like, I want to actually really like these people and want to like talk to them and spend time with them. So yeah, it's, it's a great situation. I love all those guys. That's really cool. So what about like racing them? What does, what, what does competition mean to you? Well, I think uh, first and foremost competition for me is like something primarily with myself, like, Mm. uh, especially in these ultra races, like, uh, you know, they're so long, there's so many external variables, but also like internal physiological 
variables, internal mental variables that you get to um, play with and skills you can practice. Um, so for me, like with every race, the primary like battle I'm trying to win is the one with myself and like um, have really uh, embodying like a, a healthy, positive mindset uh, within the context of the race. And like, usually when I do that, uh, I, I have a good result. Um, but then of course, like, you know, it's actually one thing that I've um, been experiencing more and more over the last like couple years is getting the opportunity to jump in competitive fields and the racing dynamics and the competition in those fields is very, is much different than um, maybe going to a regional race where you can um, like for me, like I can run off the front and just win, you know, maybe most of the time versus if you're in a competitive race, like um, you can't really do that. And there's like 10 guys who are all right there. Um, and so for me, like competition evolves, you know, like over time. And I remember like when I first got into the sport, it was mostly like, Oh man, like, I wonder if I can finish this race. Mm -hmm. And then it became, I wonder if I can run this time. Then it was like, I wonder if I can get on the podium. Um, and now it's just, it's, uh, it's almost more like a meta goal of like being able to race and remain like self-confident, but committed to my own, um, racing strategy and tactics. And, and at the same time, like engage in competition, which is like, you know, like you don't want to get spit out the back of the group. Like you want to keep in contact. So the, like the chess analogy earlier, like you become more aware of like how complex the game actually can be um, if you really want to try to like master it. And so for me now, like competition is primarily with myself, but I'm challenging myself and pushing myself to try and race maybe closer to the edge of my potential rather than being uh, conservative in my race strategy. Um, because at this level, certainly with like the degree to which the sport is progressing in terms of talent and, and interest mm. and stuff, like you kind of have to like um, ride that line of like, can I hold this all day or am I going to blow up in a spectacular fashion? And if you go out conservative, like um, you're probably not going to, you know, get that really great result on a international stage or national stage. Do you think there's a, this is a bit of a nerdy question now for the running thing. Do you think there's a difference with kind of how Europeans and Americans actually approach that? Because I do notice there's quite a lot of kind of American trials who do have that kind of, okay, we're going to go <laughs> from the start on the edge. And uh, I think generally sort of like in European trail running, we tend to go a little bit more conservative. Um, have you noticed that at all? Or? Gosh, well, I, I want to like, put a big caveat in front of my comment because I've only <laughs> raced in Europe like a couple times. And so I only have like a very limited perspective of how Europeans truly race. But from my perspective, like uh, at OCC and CCC, man, Europeans go out pretty freaking hard. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like those races go out stupid hard for how long and hard they are. So uh, I don't know. Like I remember the first time I, when I raced OCC, I was like, Oh my God, like, you guys all know we're running like 38 miles, right? Like, you know, it was everyone is like, I think I dropped like a, like a 540 mile on mile two and I was in like 65th place, you know? So it's like, and then, you know, to, to the point I was making earlier, like one of the guys who was like in the very front halfway through the race was like sitting on the side of the trail, just like 
done, you know? So I don't know. Um, I think, I think like Americans, uh, stateside when we race typically, like, I think the fields only get really aggressive like that and, uh, competitive at golden ticket races or broken arrow or like really competitive races. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how Europeans race like it, maybe more regional races or smaller races, but certainly at at those UTMB events, (laughs) everybody's going out so hard, you know, (laughs) everyone just breaks each other. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's kind of what you have to do, right? Like you look at, like Katie Scheid's performance, for example, from this yeah. past year, like just banging like six thirty miles, and like in the beginning, and then like held on and had a great day and won the race. And so it's like you can't really go out like slow and then build that back later. It doesn't seem like even in a hundred whatever that is eight mile race or a hundred and seven mile race. Yeah, it's quite terrifying now that the fields are getting so competitive. Like these these super long distances. Still, people are running. <laughs> running them fast like ultra used Super to fast. people have this kind of impression that ultras are like you know this long slow kind of slog to the to the end and yeah it might be true of kind of 200 miles but like even 100 miles now it's like not a not a slow race <laughs> no what's so funny like 200s are the new 100 in terms of like oh yeah you can go there there you can really jog but like in hundreds it's no more jogging <laughs> no more jogging no more picnics no, <laughs> no, no. Keep your yeah picnic it's going. super funny though how the sport has progressed like i mean i even feel it too in like the 50 mile distance like you can't mm. i mean yeah there's no lollygagging it's like same uh, at worlds like i think that first mile we look down at our watch like halfway through the first mile we're running like 520 you know so it's just like no relent you know there's no like easing into the race um even at like 50 mile or 100k type of distance oh my goodness that's terrifying so <laughs> that kind of brings me to talking so could you talk me through one of your you've raced many many races but is there a particular kind of standout one for you and could you just kind of go through the sort of how you build up to that, the mindset going into it, um, and then kind of your thoughts and feelings during the race. Yeah. Do you mean like a standout performance where like, I feel like I got an objectively good result? Um, It doesn't need to be an objectively good result. Just one that was kind of, you felt was good for you running it, which I think is a slight Mm -hmm. distinction between, oh, I I podiumed and that was that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think, um, like I I've probably had like more impressive runs, but for me, like uh, the 2021 run the rock 50 miler for me, was like kind of a uh, breakout type of performance for me personally. Um, and so, yeah, it was actually uh, just to give a little context. Like it was uh, the final big effort before Bandera hundred K, which was like a month and a half later. So it wasn't the focus of the block. Um, and I think I tapered like fairly minimally for it. Um, and my training leading into it had been really solid. Like I'd, I'd been healthy and, um, you know, had hit all my workouts, like had been feeling really good. And, um, my coach, David Roach was like, I can tell like, you're ready for a good one. Like this is, I think you're going to like pop off. And, and I'm, I'm always like, you know, before those races, you never know. And it's kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Like, we'll see, you know? Um, but I remember like 
for me, I, I flew to that race and did it um, with no crew because my wife wasn't able to come and um, I didn't know anyone there. So um, I had to plan my like drop bag situation and um, yeah, I was just out there solo. But I, uh, the thing I like think I'm most proud of and why I picked this race to talk about is like, you know, 50 miles is like that type of race where, you know, you're kind of going to be out there for like half the day. It, regardless of how like fast you run, like you're still out there for like six hours at least, you know? Um, so for me, like I, uh, found a strategy that like worked really well for me mentally. And that was, uh, trying to run that, just breaking the race up into like small pieces. So like I ran that first 25 miles, um, you know, like within well within myself and steady. Um, and my goal was to get to that 25 mile mark. And then run the next 15 miles, like one mile at a time and try to run each of those miles, like, uh, not as, as fast as I can, but like as strong as I can and just do one at a time. And I figured like, if I could do that and stay super present, um, then you get, by the time you finish that set of 15 miles, you're at mile 40 and you can already like feel the finish line. Um, and mentally that's a lot easier to just push through the last nine miles or 10 miles when you're tired. And, um, and for me, like the big challenge with these longer races is like figuring out how to truly stay present. Because if you think about like a mile 25, if you think, oh my gosh, I still have 25 miles to go. Um, it can be a little bit demoralizing or overwhelming, or if you start to have a low moment, it's like oh my God, like, I'm not going to, you know, here go my performance goals or someone's going to catch me or like, I don't know if I'm going to make a cutoff or whatever. So for me, like I was really able to stay like within each of those miles, like for that set of 15. And, um, yeah, I managed to like run a good time, set a course record and like more so than those maybe objective like outcomes. I was just super proud and happy with my mental approach to the race. And I've tried to, um, like deploy that and um you know leverage that kind of mindset in other like long races I've done since then that's pretty interesting in terms of like mindset what are your thoughts on sort of manifestation and kind of positive projection oh wow that's funny that you say that big manifestation guy uh awesome hit the target um, (laughs) yeah yeah my wife uh kind of like taught me about manifestation uh a while ago. And so I think like, you know, truly, I I guess I feel like just like anything, like, you know, if you believe in the thing, it's probably going to work or like yield positive results, whether it's like a training philosophy or your coach, like if you believe what, what they're telling you, like, it's probably gonna be good. And so for me, like, I've just seen in my own life that when I focus on and like, explicitly state like a positive outcome that I might desire or um creating like a positive mindset and like positive self-talk and like uh visualize things in a positive way um and and really don't uh allow myself to spiral into like the negative um the negative manifestation or like the negative potential outcome like good things have happened. And, uh, I don't know, like even like, I don't know, there's just like a lot of examples of, uh, 
of where like really just manifesting and thinking about and just really trying to like visualize into reality, like the outcome that you want. Um, I think it's really helped me and it certainly, you know, like that's not to say that like, I don't spend time thinking about how I'm going to respond if, and when certainly in ultra racing, like you do have a low moment or Mm -hmm. you do start to get behind on calories or your legs start to feel tired. Um, because I think it's beneficial to like acknowledge that those things are going to happen and, and, uh, you know, develop like thought patterns or mantras that you want to use in those moments so that you're not like caught off guard when it starts to happen and then like spiral. Um, but yeah, like the vast majority of my mental energy and, and space is taken up with a uh, positive manifestation and, and visualization for sure. What kind of mantras would you would you have in in a in a race like you just described? Uh, it you know they kind of change like uh, they change with each race and um, some races I don't have a mantra uh, usually like fifty k's because they're done so quickly it's like I don't really need, <laughs> need no them. time for a mantra but, um, <laughs> yeah like I um and it's funny that you asked that question, like, it's actually kind of hard to like call to mind, like ones that I've used. I know I use them, but they usually, uh, revolve around or related to like, um, putting, putting what I'm doing into context. So like, mm-hmm. um, thinking about like, you know, this is exactly what I like, this is why I'm here, like, is to be experiencing this, like, Um, and that's usually related to like when it's hard or your body is hurting, it's like, this is what it is. And that's one thing that my friends and I talk about is like, you know, there's so much, um, positive inspiration and good that has come from like video documentaries and, and, and books and podcasts and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it has caused a large part of the ultra running community to kind of like idealize what it is. And what it is, is like a lot of suffering. Mm. And so if you don't like acknowledge that or um, embrace that and instead kind of like try to avoid it and pull away and freak out when it starts to hurt, um, it makes, I think it makes it harder and it makes it, makes it more challenging to get through that moment, persevere, and then find that like second reserve of strength, second or third or fourth or fifth reserve of strength. And so, um, yeah, for me, it, it usually revolves around like, um, being grateful that I'm in this place, um, acknowledging that like, um, this is what I came here for type of thing. Sometimes I draw on like, um, thinking about family members, uh, like for example, at, at worlds this year, uh, in Thailand, for some reason, I didn't like plan this, but, um, for some reason I started thinking about my grandfather who like, uh, was in the army, you know, like served and represented his country. I was representing the U S at, at worlds. And so, um, yeah, I mean like what it kind of put it in perspective cause it was like the hardship that people who serve, um, in the armed forces go through is like so much greater than like voluntarily going to an amazing like trail race and running, even though it's challenging, like running for nine hours or whatever through this jungle it's like a fun activity. And even though it hurts and is very hard, like it's nowhere near as hard as like what so many other service men and women have done, like, uh, in, in 
for all nations, you know, all around the world. So um, things like that for me, usually just like putting it into perspective um, usually helps me like get through low moments. That's really interesting. And like, and the fact that you're there, it's because, because you're healthy, because you're able to do hard things and you've elected to, to put yourself in that, <laughs> in that position. Um, that's really yeah. helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Adam and I know also that we've just spoken about the kind of actually no I'm going to contradict myself because you so you speak on your website about um DNFs and I know that you are quite an advocate for kind of reframing perceptions of failure um I was about to say kind of we've talked about the positives now let's talk about the negatives but actually (laughs) I want to talk about failure as a positive thing so um so I was wondering kind of what your perspectives on on failure are and kind of uh, and what it means to you yeah well I'm glad you chose to frame it as a positive because um even if like I mean failures oftentimes like when we care about something very deeply like it doesn't mean that it doesn't sting or we aren't disappointed um, or sad. Uh, Those are like all very normal emotions that are related to failure, I think. And so, uh, but for sure, like it's, it's actually really funny kind of like sub niche within our ultra running culture, these like figureheads or like communities that are like, you know, I'll I'll die before I DNF or like, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, okay, like, fair enough. Like, you know, whatever helps you get to the finish line is great. But like, certainly in life, like, you can't get away from failure. Like, it's gonna happen. And if you aren't failing, sometimes, you're probably not challenging yourself at all. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just like part of part of challenging yourself part of putting yourself out there. And in my opinion, like it's part of living. And also, if you aren't like realizing failures and noticing them, like, maybe you should like give a little bit more time to like self-awareness because they're probably happening. You just aren't realizing them. Um, (laughs) So like, I don't know for me, like failure has always felt like a, a healthy part and a, and a almost like a positive signal that like, okay, cool. Like you stepped up against this and like on this line and like maybe you went a little bit over the line and, and uh, the most important thing for me always in failure is to like come away with like learnings um, that you can take that I can take and apply into future races or training or just into my life. And so, um, yeah, like at the end of the day, like um, I don't care like who you are or what you say, like these finish lines are a hundred percent arbitrary. It's like, just like a cutoff. Like, you know, I've, I, uh, I've paced people and, and seen people who like are giving it their all in like a ultra marathon and get cut off. It's like, that's not failure. Like if the race had decided to make the cutoff an hour longer, like you could have kept going. And so all of these things are just like arbitrary constructs that we put around this like activity. Right. And like the fundamental thing that I, I hope, or at least for me, like draws me to the activity is being in nature surrounded by community that I um, am inspired by and and enjoy being a part of and that has nothing to do with like setting a course record or like missing a cutoff and getting like you know like not being able to finish the race so like for me like dnfs are kind of just like an arbitrary thing and uh, as long as you're learning from uh from that result it's no different than if you have a great race and win 
like hopefully you're learning something from that too. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I always try to validate and um, like celebrate, if you will, like DNS, whether it's in my own like life or uh, in my friends or, or athletes that I coach. Cause it's like, that's a part of the process and we shouldn't like, shouldn't get too down about those moments. Just like we shouldn't get too high when we like win or, you know, have a result that like we're really stoked on and proud of. It's like all of those things are just like part of it, not over attaching to them. And then like moving forward, I think is uh, the way I at least like to frame um, the activity. That's that's a really nice way of putting it, I think. And it's all it's kind of like laying on the table, like this is all of my experience. And and these are different kinds of experiences and different places and different contexts. And yeah, some of them have been successes in inverted commas but like actually it's all experience isn't it (laughs) totally and I mean like I think I mentioned earlier that race never summer 100k here that my parents crewed me for and like I dnf'd that race like that was my first 100k I dnf'd at 45 and while some might say oh that's like a failure I would never have moved to Colorado had I not come to Colorado to race never summer 100k I that totally like got me bit by the bug of like Mountain West, Colorado. And I would have never met the amazing community that I'm now a part of. Like, like I, we wouldn't be living in the house we do. Like there's so many amazing things that have come from that like failure. Uh, and so to me, like, I don't know, like when I think back about that race, like I remember the like, crazy thunderstorm and hailstorm that we all went through. I remember how beautiful it was like running on this 12,000 foot ridgeline. I couldn't care less that I didn't like make it to the finish line. Like at the end of the day, like as long as we're cultivating a healthy mindset and like progressing and moving forward, like even if I would have finished, like it, it's like, I wouldn't have like the, the result in retrospect would have been like, uh, you know, it'd be like, Oh cool. Like I finished, but it's not like something I'm super proud of. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like how, you know, everything is in context, like maybe a race result that like that run the rock race that I was talking about earlier, the 50 miler, like that, I was really proud of that at the time from a performance standpoint, but I don't know, I'll probably run like much faster 50 milers. And so not over attaching or giving too much meaning to that is I think like kind of healthy. Yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. So kind of talking about showing up and also this idea of camaraderie, that kind of brings us nicely onto the world championships. And I'm sort of wondering like, how was that experience of being part of a team and representing your country? Uh, It's like so special. Um, Definitely like a highlight life experience for me, for sure. Like um, I think first and foremost, because of the people that um, both were there as staff, like supporting team USA were amazing and so generous with their time. They're all the USATF, like mountain running ultra or mountain ultra, uh, trail staff are like volunteer. And so, uh, it's just like, they're so generous, like creating that environment and setting us up as athletes to succeed. And so that was super special. All of the athletes that were there, like, I feel like I made so many new friends and we definitely all felt connected, uh, in terms of like the we're all going to do the same race and uh even if we're running different distances and stuff we're all like in northern thailand like 30 hours from the states you know and it's just like this really crazy adventure that um 
I think bonded us all together. And so, you know, over, like overlaying all of that is this opportunity that you're like representing your country and wearing the USA Jersey, which is like super special. And I think for me personally, like, uh, it removed like any, uh, notion or thought in my mind that like I might quit or like DNF during the race because in that context um I felt like it was super important to like get to the finish line Mm -hmm. regardless of what kind of day you're having um because of like you know you're chosen for this team and there's like other people who might have made the team instead of you and and uh you're representing your country and like uh I think it really honors a race like that to to do what you can to get to the finish line as long as you're not like risking bodily injury and harm. And so, um, yeah, it's just like super special. And and certainly like on the men's ADK team, like those guys are my boys. Now I didn't know any of them personally, like leading up to the event, but we all got to spend like a week together living together and, and doing some runs together, racing together. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like definitely a race experience, like no other, um, definitely made me feel like, Harkening back to my team sport days in, in high school and college is, is really special. Oh, I bet it sounds like such a blast. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Like, highly recommend, like, if anyone is, you know, out there listening, um, if you have the opportunity to, like, try and make a world team for your country, like, it's definitely worth it. And for me, like, I've raced UTMB races. Um, I've been at Western States crewing multiple times. And so I've seen like those races up close and participated in the, in some of them. And, um, this was like special in a totally different way. And, um, for me, like much more memorable and significant, like life experience wise. So yeah, I would just encourage anyone who like has the opportunity to try to make a world team, like do it. It's really cool to like meet people from other countries too at the race. And yeah, it's just super cool. And what do you think like your takeaways are from it that can kind of roll over into both life and, and running really from that experience? Well, um, that's a good question. I think, uh, well, one takeaway was just that like, you know, I mean, maybe it sounds obvious, but it lived up to the hype and then some for sure, like having the opportunity to, rep team USA and, and travel to a ex- exotic location to race. Like that was just as special as advertised. And I definitely would like to try and do it again at some point in my career. Mm. Um, and then like separately, like I think because I would have never gone to Thailand or I probably would have never gone to like Chiang Mai, like Northern Thailand to run uh, and certainly would have, would not have been able to access like the parts of the like national park that we did, like going through these really remote villages and stuff like that was so special. And um, I think it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to how many amazing races there are out there. Like I've done a lot of different types of races, but I think uh, at least for me, like uh, being a professional, like sponsored runner, like there's this, these like incentive structures are almost like kind of subcultural, like, pull to like try to get into the states or do utmb and there's these very like um like almost like one like monotonous kind of like one track because if you're trying to get into states it makes your season like super formulaic it's like okay then you're going to like these three golden ticket races and that's what you're doing and then you do states and then you're wrecked and then you can't really do anything for a couple so like 
I think what it opened my eyes up to is like, oh man, like that was really awesome. And I think there's a lot of value in leaning into races that really genuinely excite you or maybe take you to a place that has interesting culture for, for you. Um, and I think like, I don't know if it'll be like in the next six months, but certainly in my race schedule planning and career, like I want to try and um, really do the races that I'm excited about. And like, um, yeah, like not just get stuck in this cycle of like, Oh, I'm just trying to get a golden ticket or I'm going to go do UTMB world series races to get into UTMB. It's like, there's so many awesome races that probably aren't associated with the UTMB world series. And that's a whole nother topic. But like, um, yeah, I think all of those are just like really worth doing. Uh, and yeah, I'm really grateful for it kind of like reminding me how wide the, the running world is, you know? Yeah, and it's that idea is I really like that idea of kind of connecting with other communities and using running as a means of of doing that. And it sounds like the world's for a really great opportunity for that. And I'm quite interested just to kind of pivot slightly and just talk a little more about kind of your relationship with the running community and and your position within it. Like it's something that I so I spoke to Zoe Rome, um, as you might know, about kind of the community that she's building um and the messaging that she's putting out with with Trail Runner. And obviously you were on the front cover of Trail Runner magazine. <laughs> um and I, I wonder kind of like what that experience was like for you and why it was important and and how and how did it kind of did it cement kind of like your connection to the community? Yeah, that was really um, kind of a surprising thing that happened. And uh, yeah, like I'm super grateful to have the opportunity to write that piece for Trail Runner. Like I, um, that's kind of where it started. It was like Zoe asked if I would like, was inter- would be interested in like writing a piece for them. And I did. And then, um, yeah, like then it kind of progressed to like, oh, would you be open to being on the cover? And of course, like, uh, I, I was and was like thrilled at that opportunity and like um, yeah it was like something I never like uh, thought would happen or, or anything I was like trying to make happen but um, you know I think probably the most like meaningful part of that whole thing was like um, knowing that like by me being on the cover I was like I don't know being a part of um, the representation equation and like there's been so many other like amazing runners and like you know uh climate advocates and like other folks who who are representing uh both in running and in their own lanes um but for me it was really cool to like be one of those uh examples uh in my own way um with my own flavor and uh yeah like i mean to be honest like there's like there was definitely like a lot of um, social media like um, support and stuff, which was like very meaningful to me. And like probably some of the most meaningful feedback was like given to me from like um, like minority runners mm-hmm. who I would see and would tell me in person like, "Hey, that was like you know really like meant a lot to read your article." And like I was so thrilled to see you on the cover, and like um, then would share a little bit of their story with me, and so. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it's kind of imagining and thinking about maybe the, 
the different types of folks who that article and that that imagery reached uh, and hopefully inspired them to participate more in the sport or at least like feel seen in some way or have their experience validated in some way um, was some of the best like outcomes of that opportunity. I mean, it's it's an absolutely mind-bogglingly beautiful and eloquent and hard-hitting article. And like, I, I, you know, there's so many sound bites from it that I could just regurgitate. But I think people should just Thanks. go and read it, basically. <laughs> um, Thank you. And it sounds like, I mean, what was the what was it like writing it for you? <laughs> That's funny. I don't know if anyone's asked that. Uh, so you know, Zoe. Rome um, was kind enough to like ask if I'd be interested in like contributing to that dirt annual edition. And I was like, Oh my gosh, definitely. That'd be great. Um, and I was a little bit intimidated because I was like, Man, I haven't like written anything like that since like college, you know? So like, I'm pretty rusty. Like I don't, I'm not a, an author, you know, or like, I'm not, I don't have a lit background. And so uh literature background and, um, had had some imposter syndrome for sure, but um, yeah, like actually, like several of the deadlines that I was supposed to have like came and went, and I had this so much like uh, guilt. I was like, oh my god, like I need to do this. This is like such a great opportunity, and I really <laughs> want to like write something, but and I don't want to let Zoe down. And she was being so nice. She was like, oh no worries, like here's a new a deadline, <laughs> you know, and like pushed it several times. Um, but how it ended up, you know. Like, believe it or not, I, at one point, I think it was like around the holidays last year, I just like went in my room, closed the door and just like wrote that whole thing, like basically in, in its exact form, like Zoe helped me make a couple little edits, but like wrote that whole thing in like an hour and it just like came out and that was, uh, that was it. And so it was a funny, like, uh, I don't know, like method or like approach to writing for me, but, um, yeah, clearly that story or message like wanted to get out and it came out really quickly. And um, yeah, Zoe definitely was like amazing. Uh, and, and her team, there were several like editors that um, gave their feedback and, and read through it and stuff before it was published. But um, yeah, like it was a really fun experience to have the opportunity to kind of write in that narrative style um, again, because, you know, I'm, I'm a coach, but like, I don't, I don't ever write to athletes like that or like write about, my experience in that way in a social media post or anything. So yeah, it was really cool. I'm super thankful for the opportunity. Um, can't thank Zoe enough and trail runner in general. And I mean, this it's ultimately a story about representation and, and access. Um, do you feel there's a pressure to be a spokesperson for representation? Um, I think there probably is, but I don't feel it, you know, like I, uh, I, I feel like the way that I represent and when I show up in, um, situations and contexts where I am in the minority, um, or even if I am like kind of tokenized in certain ways, like, um, I don't really get like too caught up in all of that. And the, uh, by far, like the the thought and idea that I am hopefully helping increase diversity representation and involvement 
uh, of people of color in this sport of trail running is like a big wind in my sails. And so it's a much more like positive uh, influence or role that I play as opposed to like any kind of like weight or pressure. Um, and I think part of that too is like, you know, having amazing partners like Zoe at trail runner and my coach, David Roach and um, the fine folks at Saucony, like they never pressure me in any kind of way to like be that kind of spokesperson for diversity mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. And, and so I think it allows me to be my authentic self, which usually resonates much more effectively and with people, you know? So yeah, I don't feel too much pressure. And I, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've heard some of your thoughts on, on tokenism, um, on some other discussions that you've had, but for the sake of this audience as well, could you, could you just articulate what, what your thoughts are around tokenism? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely not, um, unique to or limited to race. Like, um, I think, being tokenized can apply to like anyone from a, a marginalized group or minority group um, where you as a member of that minority are kind of being like leveraged or held up or, um, you know, showcased uh, to, to indicate that the company or group that is elevating you is like supportive of of your minority group or your, your group. And so, um, yeah. Oh, and the, the, the big important part here is like that the, the people that are elevating you are not really putting their money where their mouth is and truly like trying to create equitable systems or, um, increase inclusion. Maybe they're just like taking a picture of you for the color of your skin to put in their marketing material to sell more t-shirts. So, um, that's kind of of like tokenism. It can also like show up in different ways. Like, um, maybe like having you as a member of their team so that they can tick that box of like, yeah, we have a person of color, like on the team. And so no one can say that like, we don't support people of color. Right. And, And like I said, like it applies to many other like identity groups, not just like racial identities, but um yeah like it it happens to me and many people and uh yeah i mean it's uh it's not great but just like anything in life like it's what you make it and there's definitely ways i think where uh minorities can can uh choose to leverage that to further um our own diversity goals and our own uh, goals to increase inclusion in whatever activity or or group we're trying to like be a part of mm-hmm. and trail running as kind of a sort of microcosm of society i guess um and trail For runner sure. magazine itself kind of tackles a lot of issues that that we face in trail running um as that microcosm and do you think that I mean, how far are we, do you think, along the line in, in tackling issues with sort of diversity and inclusion? And do you think that that is sort of the biggest issue that trail running faces? Do you think there's other things as well that we need to be thinking about? Um, boy, it's Quite a big really question, question multifaceted. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think like anything, right? Like we, um, I think it's important to like celebrate the work we are doing, 
and the progress we have made. Uh, it's like the sport of trail running has definitely like come a long way in terms of diversity and inclusion and trying to uh, like deconstruct some of these problematic systems that um, bias or privilege certain groups and uh, strip privilege from other groups. So I think we've like, we are coming a long way and making progress, having these conversations, policies are changing. Like all of those things are really good. Um, and certainly like media outlets like trail runner are just like crushing it in terms of um, like putting out like really great content around these topics and these issues and um, hopefully help, hopefully uh, giving voice and um, letting like, other identity groups feel seen and welcomed in the sport of trail running. Um, and like all of that being said, like, I think, um, like, like in a lot of aspects of life, it's always easier to like, for all of us to like look at other people or point out like certain systems that are problematic and say like, Oh, that needs to be fixed or like, Oh, they should do better. And I think, like really like this it's so funny it's just like in running like right it's not hard like do your foam rolling get enough sleep and like go for a run every day you're gonna get better <laughs> like in the same way like I really believe that like we would all be so much like more well equipped to tackle these challenges and do it in a way that is self-aware relationship oriented and like not placing additional burden on these groups are like reinforcing some of these systems inadvertently. Mm -hmm. If we would commit to like reading one book and reflecting on our own, like racialized experience, for example, like it is shocking how few people will take the time to do that and how many people will take the time to read a book about ultra running and then read another book about ultra running and then read a big ass book about training theory you know, it's like this uh, topic is, I think, more important than any kind of nuts and bolts of like how many strides to do or like how long to run up a hill. Like um, those, this kind of like self-reflection on, you know, like each of our experience with race or um, like different forms of identity or like privilege that we have is like fundamental and foundational to like us all being able to like really tackle these systems and improve um our culture right and to make it truly inclusive rather than just saying like everyone's welcome it's like that's really shallow like uh i think ultimately if we all like committed to and did this work um we would have much more authentic and like contextually informed relationships with each other that's a really powerful message, I think. Um, and thank thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, and I think it is so important because as we've said, this is about community. And if we have people in that community who don't feel valued, don't feel that they have a voice or don't have access to that community, like then, yeah, it doesn't matter how many strides you do. <laughs> like, yes. We're only as strong as strong as each other. Like, um, and that makes total sense so do you think that kind of 
I mean, I'm talking as well from a position of, of racial privilege here. Like, so, um, you know, there's other areas, like I'm a woman in endurance sports, but I recognize also my white privilege within that as well. And do you think on a education is kind of the biggest thing then that I'm hearing in terms of on an individual level that people can do to improve the situation? Yeah, big time, because I think like, you know, uh, all of us like have certain forms of privilege that we may or may not be aware of, right? Um, all of us have experienced racism, whether you're like white, black, like brown, uh, any race, like we all have experienced it. It's all traumatized us. And for many of us, we haven't acknowledged or aren't even aware of that trauma because it's like, oh, I'm white. Like it's not traumatized me. It's like, it has. And like you, I think like through some very simple reflection, like workbook based reflection, um, I'm a big proponent of like the racial healing handbook by Annalise Singh. Uh, it's a really great book Buy it in paper copy. Cause it's a workbook. So like you can write in it, fill it out, but like having some kind of structured and guided way to like understand your own, um, journey with racism and race is really important. And, uh, it's not about like um, blaming, right? Like blaming certain groups. Like when I say like we've all experienced racism and it's traumatized all of us, like I really mean like white folks experience that too. Like, and it's uh, racism is something that like makes us all worse and brings everyone down. And mm -hmm. so that's not like uh, black folks like are the only people who are getting traumatized or brown or like what in the, in the kind of American context, for example. And so um, I just really fundamentally believe like having spent time doing this work myself that like um, it, it will only like help, help you and it will only like make you more aware and uh, better. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like therapy, right? Like talk therapy and people who don't want to go because they don't want to talk about the, their issues. And it's like, man, that is like a form of repression that is like definitely not serving you. Right. And so it's just the same, it's the same type of thing, right? Like um, there might be a little bit of like discomfort initially, just like with running, right? Like if you're a little out of shape or like you haven't run in a very long time, it's like, it's probably not going to be very comfortable at first, but if you keep doing it, like little by little, like uh, it's going to lead to a healthier place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting kind of thinking about it in the context of running as well, that, you know, race is a construct. And like you were saying, kind of finish yes. lines, cutoffs are constructs as well. We don't have to live totally. our lives based on these kind of arbitrary <laughs> distinctions that, that we've been put under. Um, and I'm kind of interested also um, in what your thoughts are with social media and whether do you think that that contributes to almost putting people in sort of binary boxes or do you think it can be a positive force in terms of platforming voices or do you, it might be a combination of those and I've answered mm. my own question <laughs> yeah no it's definitely a combination in my opinion like there's a lot of great aspects to social media and and uh in the internet, right? Like it allows, it's allowing us to like have this conversation right now, like for, for us to get to know each other. Um, it provides a way for like all of us to kind of like interact with and engage with each other, even though we may not have like met in person. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. It allows us to um, 
kind of be aware of and stay connected with each other, um, even if we aren't located in the same place. And so like, those are all like great benefits. But I think one thing that is like pretty shitty about social media is like, it just really like reinforces or almost like, I don't know what it is, but there's this like flywheel of like, um, fakeness that just like people just post the highlights or like post things that like aren't even real. Like, you know, they might be going through a tough time, but they don't talk about it and try to make it seem like everything is great. And I think that like artificiality, superficiality, and just like general lack of like authenticity in, in how you're portraying yourself is probably is, is, is not healthy. Mm. And, um, I think like, you know, I think in a lot of cases like that probably bleeds over into the way folks carry themselves in real relationships, like face to face relationships. And, um, I don't know, like I recognize that social media is like, there's some benefits for sure. And it's like a, a valuable tool. Um, it's something that I engage in, um, not only like personally for myself, but, um, for my sponsors and stuff. Um, but I think like being really judicious and careful with, um, how you're engaging with it and trying as much as you can to like be authentic when you do post. And if, and if, and if shit is like kind of not going great, that's okay. Like you don't have to post, Mm. like you don't have to like make some super joyful post. And at the same time, I don't think you have to make a sob story post that has 10 paragraphs, right? Like there's, I think there's this like idea of like share every part of the journey. And it's like, I don't know, like when has that ever been the case in life before social media? Like we have, we've had relationships and friends and families and communities, but it's never been this, there's never been this like standard of like, you should share everything. It's, you know, so I think for me personally, like, um, yeah, like I share and speak on issues that I care about, but, um, like if my grandmother dies, like I'm not going to make some like super long post talking about her. She's dead. Like if anything, I'll probably say something at the eulogy, you know, or at the funeral or like talk with my close friends about it. And that to me seems like a normal way of being. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think save it for the eulogy is quite a good soundbite yeah. to take away from that. <laughs> yeah, people are going to be like, what the heck were they talking about here on this podcast? <laughs> so, because um, I'm a I'm a teacher, so I, I'm quite interested actually in, in what what you think can be done to sort of support young people both in terms of actually sort of like what we've just been talking about with being being true to themselves and their identity um and also kind of specifically with like equity diversity and inclusion as well um and how to sort of feel comfortable in in their skin and have a voice like what what do you think can be done in schools to support that yeah Gosh, great question. And uh, again, I'll caveat my answer. Like, I don't have kids yet. So like, I don't actually know. I'm not a teacher. Uh, I went through school. Uh, I remember being a kid kind of, but um, yeah, I think I'll, I'd probably have a much more different and more informed perspective in like five years. 
Um, we'll come back and re-record in five years and see yeah, what we've got to say. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually, one of my good friends uh, is a cross-country coach, and uh, he called me recently, actually, to, uh, to to ask a question and kind of talk through, like, something uh, very similar to, like, what you're asking about, like, how he could, like, support, better support his cross-country team, and in particular, like, um, an underrepresented minority athlete on his team. And so... I think like the advice that I gave him in the general thing that I think I would say um, in answer to this question is like, you know, all of us, like regardless of your education or identity have like blind spots and um, we can't be like all things for all people. Like it's not possible. Mm -hmm. So I think like what we can do for kids um, in in the school uh, context or just in life is maybe when we notice they might need support uh, and we don't feel best equipped to give it is to call others in that, mm. that maybe do have that experience. Um, you know, if you have like a black kid uh, on an all white cross country team that is getting picked on or feeling like, um, unheard or withdrawing or getting teased because of their hair being kinky or whatever like maybe try to get uh, a coach of color on the team uh, and then and then naturally and organically they may connect right and it doesn't even need to be a coach like it could be someone who just volunteers to bring orange slices to the to the practice or whatever like it doesn't need to be formal but I think um like calling in those resources whether it's like racial resources or like subject matter expert resources that can help um, like educate kids on a topic or provide them with life experience um, or even just to like be present and available in case those kids do decide to like reach out and, and want someone to talk to who looks like them or had an experience like them or whatever. Like I think that goes a long way. I can personally attest to uh, like many figures in my life that I gravitated towards at different times for different reasons. Um, and those people were, were diverse, right? Like they're, they're black, they're white, they're like well-educated, they're not well-educated. Like there's all of these like different types of people that have supported me at different times in my life. And I think if we can create that like diverse uh, kind of tapestry and canvas for kids to support them, like um, they're probably going to end up all right. Yeah, that I think that's fantastic advice and, and one that I'm gonna personally take it take away as well. And um just to kind of just to to head towards finishing. I know that we've overrun, so it's been such an interesting conversation. Hey, <laughs> we can chat all evening. Um, <laughs> um because you're you are a coach. Um and I was uh I'm just kind of wondering like how this sort of all ties together and how you what you seek to channel in in your coaching of of athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you can relate to this as a teacher, like, um, writing training plans for people is like actually pretty easy. Um, it's a skill you can learn. There's like a formula kind of to it. Um, as a coach, like you see these patterns, um, like physiological kind of patterns and can, um, you just know like the right thing to do, dial it back, dial it up, like things like that. Uh, just like for you, like teaching kids sub, like, you know, content is probably fairly easy. Like once you've like gotten the hang of like the, the content, 
yourself. But I think the challenge, right, like for me as a coach uh, and my work is to like speak to these people as as people, right, and like treating them as people first, not athletes first, because it's important that we're all like well-examined, well-adjusted people before like, you know, not athletes over that. And so, um, like always with my athletes, I try to help them frame like, uh, their performances, whether they're really positive, um, very disappointed or very disappointing, um, or somewhere in between, uh, as like just being part of the journey, uh, of running. Right. And like running is kind of a proxy for life too. So like, um, like we talked about earlier, like, uh, giving them space to like process things, uh, and just gentle, gently reminding them like, Hey, like feel all those emotions. Um, and then let's like, you know, process it and like move through it and not get too hung up on a, on a victory or a defeat, so to speak. Um, that's a lot of like where I spend my focus and energy and, um, yeah, like ultimately I try to interact with my athletes in what I feel like is a, uh, healthy and, and I'll say like, uh, this isn't like a, a loaded word, but like a, a healthy and boundaried way. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I think like boundaries are, are healthy in all relationships. Um, and so like, that's kind of what I try to like model for my athletes or for just people who like follow me on social media or whatever. Like I try not to, um, get too high or get too low and, and, uh, focus on and, um, highlight like the parts of the journey that really matter, like the people you meet or the, the things you learn about yourself, um, in the process of striving to achieve goals. It's not the achievement itself. It's like what you learn, um, along the way. It sounds like you're really great at creating space for people, um, which is kind of what we've been kind of touching on a lot in terms of like listening and allowing people to inhabit a space um and I guess that's kind of my my takeaway also from what we were sort of discussing with all of the equity and inclusion and diversity kind of stuff as well it's about it's about listening and treating each other as humans (laughs) and and doing the work doing the work together um so uh, just to wrap up with some quick fire questions after all of your yeah. amazing wisdom, also just to like signpost Adam as a coach. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so what is next for you? Um, well, race wise, you know, this, this darn baby is throwing a wrench into my race schedule, you know, so I'm, yeah, I'm trying to figure out like what makes sense. Um, what makes sense? I think probably I'm not going to race Bandera just because it feels like a little too tight of a turnaround. Uh, I'm signed up, so I'm not like fully ruling it out, but um, I'm seeing how my body kind of responds in the next like couple weeks and, and we'll go from there. But um, I think I want to do Black Canyon for sure. Like I haven't done that race in a couple of years and I really like that course. Like it's beautiful at that time of year. Um, running through those saguaro cactuses is like pretty pretty cool experience and so um that'll probably be the next like big race i line up for um and that's in february um so outside of that like i'm honestly kind of playing with different ideas like 
what route I want to go. Like, do I want to just go all in, try to get to States? Do I want to do the UTMB thing? Or do I want to have a season that's kind of like other races that have been on my list for a long time, uh, but that I haven't made time to do? Like, I'd love to run Chuckanut. I'd love to run Miwok 100K. One day, I'd love to run Cascade Crest 100. Like, these are all, like, really beautiful, iconic, historic races. Mm -hmm. Um, But they, like, kind of are challenging to fit into that, like, um, Western States calendar or UTMB calendar. So I'm still playing with it. But um, for sure, like, Black Canyon, I'll probably be lining up for in February. Sounds like some, some time for reflection and things. There. It's yeah. really difficult when you're kind of thinking about, and it's something that I've kind of struggled with a lot recently, um, pre-foot, this kind of, what is my identity as a as a runner? Like, what direction do I want to go in kind of thing? And um, it can sound really arbitrary, but actually it does, it's that labels thing again. And it you shouldn't really be thinking in terms of labels. It's like, what what experience do I want? And that sounds like what how you're framing it. And I think that that's, that's a lot more healthy and just thinking about oversharing I really hope though that when this baby is born that there will be the kind of quality roach inspired content of training <laughs> babies with like strides <laughs> oh yeah, and things I'm so happy for both of them they uh they have a super beautiful baby boy and I'm glad like Megan had a had a good healthy um delivery and everything and they're just yeah clearly so happy and um yeah I gotta get down there to to see him soon Oh, so good. And yeah, the quality, quality videos coming out of that household at the moment. So good. Yeah, I know. He's already uh, well ahead of the curve in terms of like physical development. It's pretty cool. Um, and Adam, you mentioned um, a book earlier that I'll, I'll put in the show notes, but what else is on your reading list at the moment? Oh, um, well, so actually like um, I, as an adult, uh found out that I have I mean I like kind of always knew but I have like severe dyslexia and so it's actually pretty challenging for me and tiring for me to like read mm-hmm. um but I listen to a lot of media uh so whether it's like podcasts or audiobooks um I'm a huge fan of like listening to literature um so yeah like I I listen to a ton of podcasts running related um, technology related, like that's what I did in my, um, previous life was I was in software. So I'm super interested in just technology in general, um, listen to news podcasts and stuff. But in terms of like a book, like, oh man, like one book that was, um, on our coffee table recently that I was very interested in, but I need to pick it up on audiobook. I think was, uh, a book from my good friend, Matt Daniels, uh, my wife was reading it. It's called like the monk who sold his Ferrari. Ooh. Um, yeah, it was like, seemed like a really interesting read and both of them really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go pick that one up maybe in on audible. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to add that to my list. I've got, got some time to listen to things at the moment. I've just got, yeah. um, so a friend sent, um, cause I know that you're a, a big sustainability advocate as well. And we'll have to do podcast round two where we talk about that. Yes. But, um, Damien, oh, uh, Damien Hall's We Can't Run Away From This has just arrived in the post this morning, which is quite nice. Oh, um, I, I remember seeing that was coming out. I got to check that out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was super excited to read it. I mean, I, I interviewed Damien as well, but I um, haven't read the book yet. So that's on my pile. So yeah, yeah I'm actually, <laughs> I was interested in your reading this, but I'm just picking your brains for like suggestions for the next like couple of months, basically. Oh, yeah. My bum, so. I, no, I know. It's, you've got, you're going to have some time on your hands, but you know, such a great opportunity uh, for you and anyone else listening, like who might be going through an injury or just like taking some downtime, like this is the time that like fuels future like breakthroughs, you know, it's like really gathering your strength, like embracing the time off and really enjoying it. Like, you know, we can't always be like super peaked out fit. Like that's not sustainable and it leads to injury and burnout. And so like, um, I hope you're able to like, just enjoy those books. Like, um, maybe work on your mental game if you want to for running. Like, um, I'm sure you've heard of the the book, but like mental training for ultra running, such yeah, a good book from Addie Bracy. It's awesome. Also workbook style, got some great case studies in there from like legendary ultra runners on their mindset. Um, and so, yeah, like there's so many things you can do, uh, even when you're not running to like, uh, fill your cup so that when you do get back to running, uh, you're really excited for it. That is, that's such good advice. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much. Yes. I have two final quick questions. Um, one is, word on the street is that you really enjoy cooking. So what is your favorite thing to cook? I do love cooking. Big fan of cooking. Gosh, my favorite thing to cook. Okay, I um, actually spent a lot of time in Japan uh, in like high school, college kind of times. Did a year abroad there. It's actually where I met my wife, um, but I've really come to enjoy like Japanese home cooking. And so probably one of my favorite things to make is a uh, homemade miso soup. Um, it's really fun, uh, fairly inexpensive to make. And uh, there's some fun, like kind of things you can do to like tweak the, the recipe um, to suit your taste. And it's very nutritious and filling. So I really like making miso soup. Amazing. I've actually just thought we, we should start like the Adam Mary like cooking channel. We could do like a running on joy <laughs> offshoot where it's like Mary cooks or something. I don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. I am a home cook though. So, you know, I don't have like super good skills. My knife skills are okay. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's really fun. It's actually what I enjoy about cooking over baking is like, it allows this freedom and flexibility to kind of like freestyle as you're going and and uh, I really enjoy that creative part of it. <laughs> Adam Mary likes freestyling knives and writing eulogies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man, where have we gone on this podcast? Okay, so right. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Okay, it's final one. What does joy mean to you, Adam? <laughs> mm. Well, I think joy is probably like. Um, equal parts like happiness and enjoyment uh but also like pain and discomfort i think like for me um some of the most like joyful moments of my life when i look back on them and think about them they come with like this euphoria but also like moments of pain and challenge within the context of that experience and so yeah, like that's why for me, when I think about like running joyfully, um, it doesn't mean like it feels good the whole time. It mm -hmm. means like I'm learning something. I'm 
like having uh, an experience that's enriching me as a person. I'm seeing a beautiful thing. I'm experiencing a beautiful thing. And I'm accepting the the challenge or adversity that might come with that. Because um, I think that makes for a really rich, uh, joyful kind of memory or experience. I think that's that's such a lovely image and, and one that really does kind of epitomize, I think, a lot of our conversation as well. And I just want to say thank you, Adam, because I know that we've had to postpone because um, I literally broke my foot as we were going to speak. Um, and <laughs> and uh, I just found this conversation, it, it's filled my cup so much. Um, and I, I really hope that kind of when people are listening to it and, and your journey, it, it has sort of followed you as a human, as a person, as a runner, and but all the other things that go into making you such such a joy-filled <laughs> human being. So thank you so much for sharing that space with me today. Um, and thank you so much. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> Everyone can stay tuned for any of the like weird things that we've, that we've planned <laughs> in the course of this ridiculous conversation (laughs) yeah thank you so much for for having me on um yeah like i've really enjoyed getting to know you and um yeah i uh look forward to hopefully seeing you at at a race sometime uh or on a trail once your foot gets better so oh that would be ace i've got family in the states so it'd be really really cool to to hook up maybe we'll get you over to run some english like boggy terrain at some point Uh, uh... yeah i would love that you know your trails and bogs and stuff seem really cool the mountains there seem amazing so yeah it's on it's on my list thank you adam and have a have a super day in the snow Thanks. I'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.